it's hard to explain, but it's almost like you, you wake up and you just feel like, how the hell did I get here? Like, where, where's the last however many years? Like, where was my head over this period of time? Why have I not seen all of these things sooner or earlier? I could have achieved so much more. But at the same time, you, you just think like, well, it's the time to change something because the, the best time to change something was probably 10 years ago. The next best is now, right? So Indeed. Absolutely. And we need to recognize that when those glasses have come off, you know, it's like we've been wearing sunglasses or filters over our eyes and they fall away and we see how things actually are instead of the perception that we created around a situation. You can't ever go back. Welcome to the She Leads Business Show, where I shine the spotlight on female owners of growing small and medium sized businesses. You're in the right place if you want to ditch the stress and firefighting, stop working too many hours, despite having team members, and never compete on price again. I'm Una Doyle, founder of creativeflow.tv. I'm a speaker, business strategist, and impact coach. Business owners hire me to help them to build a business they could sell tomorrow, but they probably don't want to because it's highly profitable. It's fun to run because they and their team are in creative flow and they get to make a bigger impact on the world. In every episode, myself and my guests share the strategies, stories, and wisdom to help you to achieve this too. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, 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 and welcome to today's episode of She Leads Business. And I'm really happy today to have with me Julia Starsek of Star Projects London. Welcome, Julia. Hi, hello, everybody. So glad to have you here. Um, would you like to just explain to people a little bit about uh, your company and what it is that you do? Um, sure. Well, lo- lovely to be here. Uh, um, my name is Julia. I run a construction consultancy specialising in managing refurbishment projects uh, for high net worth people based in London. Uh, that's that's pretty much my, my day job uh, on on side of it, I happen to know quite a few people. I network quite a lot and I try to help and give back to society as much as I can. So, Julia, we'll talk a bit more about your business later on, but I want to get to understand more about you and, you know, how did you get to where you are today? So can you tell us a bit about, you know, what was life like for you growing up as a child? Oh, God, are we going that far? <laughs> to be fair, um, I think my, my childhood was, well, I'm the only child. So unfortunately, I have no siblings that I could share the journey with. Uh, and interestingly, my mom was uh, 39 when, when I was born. She unfortunately had two miscarriages. So I was the one hugely awaited, hugely loved. And my mom is super overprotective even until now. But to be fair, I think uh, in terms of me growing up, being a teenager, I used to I used to work in the funny enough marketing agency. I used to do some of the photo shoots as a model. I used to be a hostess on a few events, so that was me starting up back back in two early two thousands in in Poland. And to be fair, it was quite an interesting time because I was hugely hoping that I'm going to have a fantastic career in that industry up until the point when I realized that unfortunately in order to make this career and and 
make living out of it back then it was very much who you sleep with rather than who, how good you are and what you can achieve so uh, that, that was my my dream career ruined but to be fair I didn't decide I wanted to go and uh, become an architect because I always had a bit of an interest in creating spaces and uh, making well making buildings changing people's lives and creating you know space around people's lives when when that when when that became a case I, I got to uh, to the point when I was applying for university there were drawing drawing exams at the time to to get and study architecture and unfortunately I failed <laughs> uh, I decided to go to the to do the building engineering studies for a year uh, because it was building next door and I just thought you know I might get away with it and just move next year but I hated every second of it I never really enjoyed it I ran away for summer to to London to do some summer work get you know make some money make some friends and that summer hasn't come to an end yet that was about 12 years ago so <laughs> that's how oh, it all started wonderful thank you um I'm really curious about something that you said you wanted to change people's lives through spaces. Tell me more about that. Um, oh, yeah. Well, to be fair, I, I, I can't explain that, but I really, really like, so, you know, I probably in my career entirely, I've done nearly 100 projects or slightly over 100 projects so far. Uh, I probably quoted about 250 or 300 projects by now. But to be fair, the interesting bit and the, the way I choose the clients I want to work with is usually that emotional connection they have with the house. If it exists, then I can work with them. If it doesn't exist and it's just one of many or it's a project for sale, then it usually doesn't go to plan and it doesn't if I can't see that emotional connection between them and the space they're trying to create, then it's usually not the best project for me. Uh, and, and to be fair, that, that's the most interesting bit. That's one of the, the drivers why, why my company exists. That's one of the reasons why I do what I do, to be fair, because I love turning people's houses into their homes and something meaningful to them rather than just being one of many. Well, I, I can totally relate to that. I, I'm exactly the same with the business owners that I work with. If they don't have, and I, I've never phrased it that way, but that's absolutely true. If they don't have that emotional connection with their business, then if they just see it as a means to an end, then that doesn't excite me. And it doesn't usually excite the business owner either. Even if they want to create a business that is an asset that they will be able to sell, very much is about helping them to create a business that they can sell, but that's fun to run now. It's highly profitable now or in the near future <laughs> if we've only just started working together. So yes, I can, I really resonate with that. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because you do get all different kinds of people in property. So I guess for me very much, I'm looking to work with owner managed businesses. I guess you want to be working with um, properties, well, people where they're actually going to be living in the homes. 
Yeah, so I, I usually, well, we call them technically the owners and occupiers. So right. it's the end user of the property. Mm. Uh, it does happen occasionally when, you know, the developer is buying a property and it's some form of a, I worked on, on a couple of projects where it was a development job, as in, you know, buying a property in order to make money and, and finance it. But there are people where they don't solely do it for money. It's almost like an art or a piece of expression that they're trying to create when mm. it's something really, really unique. And in those cases, if there is that emotional attachment between them and the property, then yes, we can work together. What I really don't like is when it's one of many or it's a hundred cows that they're doing, which is exactly the same. There's absolutely no there's no connection between you know some sometimes those people they don't even see the house it's just you know an address on a piece of paper and it's it's being done exactly the same way as the 99 before that and yeah that's that's the bit I personally don't really like being involved mm. in because there's no there's no excitement like you said there's no wow factor there's no reason for me to wake up every morning and jump out of bed straight to to go to site and see what's going on because it's just another day <laughs> definitely and it's interesting because i imagine for those owners the excitement is that they have a formula and they found a formula that works and they want to rinse and repeat that formula and i think that it is interesting because there are times when I think creative entrepreneurs can actually really learn from that because there is a tendency quite often because us creatives have so many ideas to actually go off on all sorts of different tangents and not see something through to fruition to to not rinse and repeat what works because we always love something new yet we can if we structure our businesses the right way then we can have things that work and creativity in the same way i'm not saying that you ought to work with those people necessarily but but i think there's a lesson that we can actually all learn from them perhaps i know what you think i mean to be fair i don't see anything bad in this it's just you know the way some people operate is they you know they do the same over and over again copy and paste the same format and it's great if it worked for them 100 times there is a big chance you know they're minimizing the risk of something going wrong and you know the hundred and first time it's going to go okay as well but at the same time uh you know like like we said I quite because you know we're we're a little bit creative let's say or you know in that sense I quite there are patterns we can see in most of the buildings there are you know things that repeat over and over again but unless somebody has that attachment to creating something uniquely for them then I just don't really see how we could resonate in making this happen because the, the, a very good example for me always is, you know, how, how people name bedrooms, right? So some people say Grace's bedroom or, you know, whoever's bedroom, Kelly's bedroom. And that means they have kids named Grace and Kelly, right? Rather than calling bedroom one, bedroom three, bedroom four. There's that personal attachment to it. And most likely Grace and Kelly will have something to say about what colors they want in the bedroom, what kind of a bathroom they would like, where, what kind of joinery they might like in that, you know, whether they're going to have rugs here and there. 
it's all of those little details but at the same time it's creating somebody's new life within a building and how they're going to use that space and that's the bit that really excites me and that's the bit that really you know drives me forward because okay a great example another another great example is garden right everybody looks it's you know a piece of land with a grass maybe you know some plants and planters at the end of it and that's it right but some people look at it saying you know we we need some you know land or you know a piece of grass because we want to play football with the kids we want to create those memories out there right we need a piece of land for the dog to you know go outside and and have fun as well and it's that attachment that creates you know the reasoning for the whole job to take place rather than just be well at the end of it we're gonna make you know 50 grand each and go home being happy and never see that place again it's, it's a totally different purpose. I think it's really good for businesses to align themselves around a purpose because then that's what is exciting. You know, I can see in your face how, you know, that you come alive at the thought of that and then other things leave you cold. And yeah, it's, it's the same for me. I think it's the same for most business owners. And there will be some business owners that they get excited by that. Oh, I'm going to grow this business, sell it, and then I'm going to grow the next one and sell it. But they, you know, in the way that you want to be working with owner occupiers, I want to be working with owners of businesses <laughs> that actually run the business. <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting. No, definitely. And like we said, it's there's no right and wrong answer. No. It's just a di it's just a different pot at the end of the rain rainbow. Right. And usually, to be fair, with with I'm happy for you to correct me, but usually what I've noticed with the business owners, they usually have that sentiment to the first business they've grown. And there's always something that there was another reason when they've done this first business, even if it's gone and sold long time ago, they usually talk mm. about it, you know, as a journey rather than, you know, purely a product that is gone and for forgotten about. Absolutely. And life is a journey and business is a journey for sure. <laughs> so talking more about your journey, when you were uh, when you were in Poland, and I, I'm curious, like kind of even before you were doing work, you know, as a teenager, what what was your biggest challenge at that time? No oh God, that's a deep question. I mean, to be fair, I think one of one of, one of the biggest challenges I actually had was I always wanted to have siblings. I felt like something was missing in my life because I haven't had any. All of the friends, you know, that I had, they, they, they had those connections with their siblings. And funny enough, I don't think in my childhood, I remember anybody being an only child. Usually there was at least two or three kids within the family. That was the typical pattern. Even if the, the age gap between the two was quite, you know, significant, then usually there was some form of the, you know, that connection between the sister and a brother or, you know, the, the other way around. There was always something where they always could rely on each other. I never could. I never really had that person. And, you know, we could, we could be, well, we could have the best parents in the world, but there are certain things we don't talk to parents about ever, right? It's just, it's just oh, how yes. the world is. And at, the, at that point, I was super lonely. And I think that's one of the things when 
when I was a child, I wasn't very open because I never had that backup of a person. I always created, you know, friendships and colleagues and, you know, acquaintances and everybody around. But I never really had that one person as, you know, my best friend or, you know, my, my soul sister or however we want to call that person. I never really was able to create that kind of a connection with another human being. And in terms of challenges, I can see that now as well coming out. I do have trust issues. I'm always, you know, somewhere at the back of my mind, I have, what if that person fails? What if they don't give me what they're promising? Or, you know, if something else comes up, what if they're not going to be there for me? So, yeah, that's, that's probably one of the, the biggest challenges I had to overcome in my childhood. And I can still see the consequences of that now. And it makes sense when you talk about it like that. And so have you been able to create that kind of a relationship as an adult? Um, I probably wasn't. I mean, I do. I'd like to believe that I'm surrounded with a group of people who support me and, you know, we support each other. But I don't think I could name a single person as, you know, that chosen sibling of mine. Interesting. But when you think about that, how does it feel? I think over years, I've just accepted that. I, when I started thinking about it, probably a few years back, I just, I kind of realized that it's one of, one of those that shapes us unconsciously. We don't even realize these things until we realize them, right? So I'd love to be able to create like a deep emotional connection with a single person on any, on a, on any level. But personally, I don't think I'm capable of that, to be fair. I quite like being spread out just in case that one single person fails. Then I always have a backup in others. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, that's kind of how my business operates as well. I always have a plan B if something doesn't go to plan A. And that's one, you know, that's part of me, to be fair. Isn't it interesting how these things show up? Uh, There's a saying, I don't know if you've come across it. I'm not sure who said it, actually. Um, I think it's just been around a long time in the personal development world. Um, It's the way that you do one thing is the way you do everything. I see that happen in my own life and business and in my clients as well where quite often people don't necessarily see the impact of something until, you know, you're going, oh, right, okay, so this is going on in your personal life, but actually this is happening in your business. And, and sometimes it can be the opposite. Like, you know, it's, it's good to have a plan B, but then also things can be taken to an extreme as well. I remember, you know, you mentioned trust issues. I remember working with, a business owner he had a small team a creative agency and uh, it's gone back quite a while actually and he was micromanaging all his team members and so because I was going out from one session to another I was like well, how come this stuff isn't getting done that he was supposed to be doing and so when I started taking a bit of a dive into well what is he actually spending his time on he was, it was, you know, he was spending his time micromanaging. So he's basically doing his own work. And then he was like redoing, checking, reviewing, like, but to an extreme. Why? Well, when we started delving into it, 
it was actually because when he was 18, he had a girlfriend who cheated on him. And that caused him to have trust issues that were then showing up in his business. So when we were able to resolve those trust issues, all of a sudden he had hours of time every week that he was able to not have to work all the evenings and weekends. He was able to spend time with his partner. You know, he was able to work on growing his business. So, yeah, so the, these things obviously happen and can show up in different ways. Yeah, what's the thing you're most proud of in your kind of career and business that you've achieved so far? One, one of the things that I'm really, really proud of is the fact that I didn't really fall out with anybody in my professional career on any level. I never, I mean, obviously there are people we like, there are people we don't like, but it's not that I have a hate list or I have a haters list, you know, people I just absolutely, you know, fallen out with, we had a massive argument or, you know, any, any, any kind of drama or anything like that. You know, uh, even the, the, the person I used to work for, you know, and when I, when I left the company, it was quite a dramatic, let's say, <laughs> breakup. Uh, we still talk, we still, you know, visit each other, we still, you know, exchange thoughts and, and everything around that. So I'm quite proud that I've managed, even though I'm quite explosive in terms of emotions, <laughs> and if somebody starts with me, there's like no limit. <laughs> but I never really had a massive fallout with anybody. I can't name a person that I would never, absolutely ever worked with. I can probably name a few people where I disagree with them on some level, but it's more like a neutral situation. It's not that, you know, we had any any kind of, you know, clash of characters or anything like that. So I think on that level, it's it's quite a, yeah, it's quite refreshing because if you see loads of these businesses exchanging all of this negative energy out there with, you know, people they don't know, they don't care and how that impacts their mental health and their their energy levels that's yeah that's quite terrifying so I must say it's one of the things I really I really pride that even if I disagree with somebody I'd rather walk away and just say do however you want to do it you know I I do I do respect your choice you make you I make my my own choices uh, and yeah to be fair that that's really the the thing I, I'm proud of. Well, I think that's a, a wonderful thing to be proud of. It's always it's almost always a good idea to leave doors open for sure, as long as boundaries are in place, <laughs> and that's a yeah. that's a really key thing. I I think for me, um, I, I see over and over again how a lack of boundaries or poor boundaries can really impact people and affect their business, can affect their mental health, um, and just their enjoyment of life and running their business. No, absolutely. I mean, you, you know a little bit of my background story as well and how I started in business when I was working in a construction companies and I had zero boundaries. I never had about them, to be fair. I was unable to say no to anything. I was hugely overworked. I was starting my work probably six, seven o'clock in the morning and I never finished before seven, eight in the evening. 
I was making decent money as a at least for my age at the time, I was really successful on that front, but I never really had the time to enjoy the money. I never really had the time to, you know, appreciate exactly everything I was doing. I never had the, I never had the time to go out and, and meet friends or, you know, meet, meet people who I was working with, go out, have a lunch. Uh, so in, in that respect, I just think there needs to be that balance, like you said, we need to, you know, be able to say no, and we need to be able to put those boundaries to actually protect ourselves, because if you don't, you can be great for a certain period of time, but there will be the, the, the certain point on, on the timeline when your glass is just going to overfill and you can't really control that, can you? Uh, I do like the analogy of a glass spilling over <laughs> because I think it's a great way you know if you imagine if you imagine a glass of water where it's say three quarters full and so life happens and so the water level goes up and it goes up but you kind of you know you're able to cope and you can deal with things and so it goes up and it goes down a bit but then some other things happen that maybe that are unexpected kind of really out of left field a bit over and above and so next thing you know the the water is like just kind of lapping at the tip, you know, the very top of the glass. Um, and then it only takes one little thing, doesn't it, for that water to then overflow. Um, and that's often where people have that upset or that anger or drama that you were talking about. Um, and it, from the outside, it can be seen where people, they go, oh my God, they totally overreacted to that situation. But what they're not seeing is, okay, yeah, that was a few drops of water, but they didn't see all the other drops of water that had caused that glass to become full and then to overflow. Um, and I think particularly where, um, have you ever come across the term passive aggressive? I didn't think, no. I okay, think so if you, if you imagine a line, okay, going horizontally, left to right, and so imagine at one end, you have aggression and anger. And then at the other end, you've got someone who's very passive um, and who like won't speak up at all. But the other end, it's more intimidating. And so what, what we want to be is somewhere in the middle <laughs> where we can be confident, where we speak up when required where we speak up for ourselves and for other people, where we make requests, we ask for what we want, we set boundaries. Um, but what happens a lot of the time is you end up where people shoot from one end to the other. So they're passive, I'm putting up with it, I'm putting up with it, I'm putting up with it. Oh God, I can't believe they're doing this again. Okay, fine, let me just get on with it. And so time, time goes on, and then one day they snap and boom, they're at the other end of that continuum where they just go and blow up. And so that's passive aggressive. Okay. And so, and quite often people leak that aggression. <laughs> so on the surface, they kind of seem quite mild mannered and easygoing and things, but then there'll be like this little spike of something that you kind of go, oh, oh, what, what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually it's the beginning of them getting to the top of that glass where you know, so much of the time people feel that they can't speak up 
that it's it's not their rights that they don't deserve to or they shouldn't do or maybe when they did as a child they got into trouble or they just are you know mimicking the people who are around them because you know we you know we 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 very much uh, well i would say you know we're very much the product of our environments as well as our natural kind of ways of being in terms of our natural strengths and and personality now, obviously, as adults, I think, you know, there comes a point where we can't excuse that. We need to take responsibility for who we are. <laughs> um, but there's a, you know, there's a there's a lot there, isn't there? And that's where that's where people pleasing really comes in, I think. And I know for me, I was a huge people pleaser. Um, I used to twist myself in knots trying to please other people. And, and actually, there was definitely a time in my life when I realised that I had been doing this. I was coming out of a marriage and, you know, I realised that I had, you know, the marriage stopped working. I'm doing quote marks, had stopped working when I stopped putting him at the centre of everything and actually started wanting things for myself and doing things for myself. So I actually started studying a business degree part-time. And, um, and I remember uh, at the end of our relationship and you know, he's, he said something about the, you know, the degree I was doing. And I said, but you said you'd support me. And he said, well, I had to say that because I knew we were gonna do it anyway. And so really that, that support wasn't there. And it, it was really interesting that as I was going to uni and doing classes and learning things and getting feedback from other people I was starting to grow in confidence and so then he felt you know fragile egos and things <laughs> he obviously felt less than I wasn't making him less than that was his choice in terms of how he's interpreting things but that's when things started going wrong in the marriage I'm very grateful because it sent me on this whole other journey where I've been able to overcome that um i know we talked about this being a, a challenge you know one of the challenges that you're facing right now of imposter syndrome and and people pleasing so how's that showing up for you uh may i may i just go back to to your story for a second just out mm. of out of interest how old were you roughly back then oh i was uh 29 when I entered the marriage. Yeah. The reason why I asked is because it's a very similar journey to me leaving my employment. I was I was in employment, I was a commercial director in a construction company. And it's exactly like you said, everything was fine until, you know, when everything was running around the managing director and everything he said was just actioned with no objection, no comment, nothing said in, in, in the process. But it's not really possible to have two directors and only one has a saying in something and the other one, the other person just passively makes all of the orders because that's not the definition of being two directors. It's a definition of being a director and employee, right? So Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So uh, basically what happened was it's exactly the, the glass we spoke about before when, you know, my, my glass was probably over three quarters full uh, and uh, 
I knew we have to change something, but in order to change something, two people need to see the, the need for that and two people need to participate, right? So in principle, we agreed that, you know, these things are going to change. They have to change over time because otherwise it's, it's never going to get us out of the situation we're in. And the problem was that the benefits of the situations were purely to structure the company to grow bigger uh, and to take some of the weight off my shoulders because like I said I was hugely overworked and I just needed I just I was coming to the end of my energy levels I just needed to you know start looking after my mental health and what I wanted to do next and I was starting to exactly come to that conclusion of if I'm not going to look after myself nobody will uh, and then it was just a one very trivial argument we had and and my resignation letter ended up on his desk so uh yeah it's it's quite interesting though in terms of the timing as well because what then happened is when I, once I left once you know all, all of that drama in terms of my work and employment came to came to the end I set up a business I started working in in my business and on my business and then I started to see some of the problems in my relationship with my long-term partner. I started to see problems with, you know, how I was every day, you know, talking to my mum. We were sharing absolutely everything and talking for hours about absolutely nothing. And it costed me loads of time and loads of emotions off the back of it, right? So it's almost like you start, one, one thing changes your whole view over your entire life, it gives you a completely different perspective as to who's the most important person in this game. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really interesting though that it usually happens at the you know, beginning of your 30s or right at the end of your 20s, because that's exactly the same timing that, that happened to me. I, I do think there is definitely, um, actually when I thought about it, I must have been 28. I, I, I lose all track of years <laughs> and ages. But yeah, it's, there is, I think it's milestones that it, it's not the age, it's the fact that we start thinking and reflecting on, am I where I want to be? Am I happy with what's going on? And I think various milestones trigger that kind of thinking. And I think one of the best things that people and business owners can do is to actually build that reflection and review into their businesses. So one way that, uh, that I do that is by having 90 day plans. And, you know, so I make sure my clients have 90 day plans, because that means at least four times a year we are reviewing what, what is going on. Obviously, you're reviewing things more often than that. But to have that deeper look I think is is really important you know to to be to have a strategic review and also to be looking at it from a personal point of view like you say about the people in the business about you know strategic partnerships personal relationships team members how everybody is working um and yeah and, and doing that that reflection and review but yes I think there is I think it's that thing of approaching 30, you know, those zero years often trigger that, I think, in our personal lives. So, so yeah, very interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I don't remember reflecting on those things, to be fair, but I, I definitely, you know, 
had some it's hard to explain but it's almost like you you wake up and you just feel like how the hell did I get here like where where's the last however many years like where was my head over this period of time why have I not seen all of these things sooner or earlier I could have achieved so much more but at the same time you you just think like well it's the time to change something because the, the best time to change something was probably 10 years ago. The next best is now, right? So Indeed, absolutely. And we need to recognise that, you know, when, when those kind of glasses have come off, you know, it's like we've been wearing sunglasses or filters over our eyes and they fall away and we see how things actually are instead of the perception that we created around the situation you can't ever go back you are forever changed then in that moment and there's a saying that you can never put your hand in the same river twice because you know you put your hand in once and you take it out and you put it in well that that water's gone it's new water and that's like us you know we the next experience that we have we're bringing that new person to it. Have you ever heard of the concept of like a comfort zone? I'm seeing in my head two circles. <laughs> and so if you imagine the bigger circle has all the important and significant things in our life and the smaller circle has, has the things where we feel comfortable uh, where we feel comfortable where we feel confident and so what what I'm always wanting people to do is to be getting those two circles to be as much of the same size as possible but for many people that inner circle is quite a lot smaller and sometimes what happens is they have an elastic expansion so if you imagine um here we are I have a hair tie so if you imagine that what happens when you stretch it boom, ow, I hurt my finger. <laughs> it pings, right? It pings back into place. And so sometimes when people have these experiences where they do see things differently um, and they behave differently as a result of that, but then they haven't actually really made that inner circle bigger. It was only temporary so they still see things, though occasionally we can make ourselves forget. If they're reminded, they'll see it again. And so they sometimes revert back to type. And the reason why this happens is because of patterns. So let me ask you, Julia, when you put your trousers on in the morning, do you use your left leg or your right leg? I think the right one. <laughs> okay thinking about it. I put the right one first and and if you were to use your left leg it would feel a bit weird wouldn't it yeah <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah so. we, we we have a pattern in our brain of how we put our trousers on and how we do most things like I'm sure you've at, at some time meant to go in a certain direction and then we're on autopilot and you go in a different direction that you you go a lot so I think many people have had that experience but it's exactly the same you know we put our trousers on it's it's something we don't think about consciously it's just a pattern that's there now if we think about it consciously and if I was to say to you Julia okay look here's the secret to your business growth you need to put your trousers on with your left leg first 
Okay, it's really important you do that. Obviously, the trousers is an analogy for something else, right? <laughs> I don't really believe that. But which legs she puts her trousers on is going to make a difference. Um, but just say, so whatever the strategy was, whatever the thing was that you needed to do differently. So how long do you think it would take you in putting your left legs, your left leg into your trouser when you forget or just automatically don't even think about it and put your right leg in instead? Maybe something like a couple months, three months. Wow, that's good. Most people say a few days. <laughs> so and it, oh, because because we have these probably, patterns. It probably, it probably took me about a month to remember to put the cup into the coffee machine before I pressed the start. <laughs> That sounds like a very messy lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so because typically what happens is, is that, you know, we, because a pattern is there and, and we can have conscious reminders to do things. So we can have alerts on our phone, sticky notes in different places and things. But generally speaking, you know, people revert back to type. So one of the things that I'm really passionate about is helping people to change those underlying patterns. Because then we don't have to think about it. We just automatically put our trousers on left foot first and get the better results from doing that. Um, and, you know, because we have these patterns of the way that we think, the way that we feel and the way that we behave. And, you know, those are the things that often give us results in our, in our business. So, I've got a question for you. In what way is people pleasing negatively affecting your business? I'd like to believe that I've built a little bit of a resilience now and I kind of learned saying no more often. And usually the way I say no is by me ignoring something for a certain period of time. If somebody messages me, I'm in the middle of something, somebody messages me, I usually see the message, but I'm going to ignore it for, you know, an hour or so, I finish whatever it is I do, and then I get back to it, and I'm capable of looking at it with a fresh eye, and I don't feel the pressure of responding here and now, because it's already an hour later anyway, right, so this is, this is the resilience I've managed to be built, but in terms of how does it negatively affect my business, it used to affect my business negatively in the sense of I was doing a lot of things because I wanted to feel needed and I wanted to feel like a part of a bigger community. And then essentially what happened is the minute I left the business, the minute you know I, was, I, I left the employment, I was alone. The community that I was part of for seven or eight years was gone. They, they moved on completely. And I was there on my own, myself, with nobody else to, to even you know, go out for a coffee with in the afternoon on a Saturday or whenever. So that was a big lesson for me back then, you know, coming back to the trust issues, that there is something there. And it's not always, you know, how, how I look at things that. It's the, it's the siblings and it's those patterns, but it's about how you position yourself within that community and how you allow people to make you feel. 
because we can't control other people, right? We can't control everything around, you know, around us. What we can control is how does that impact us? And this is the bit that I was working on probably for a good year now to, to be able to create that boundary or that, that wall around me that's securing me inside so I don't feel that way ever again. And that's really key. So it's, it's great that you've done that because those boundaries, it's so interesting, actually. Um, I've heard it said, like, you know, if somebody does karate and say they're a black belt in karate, there's something about the way they walk down the street that they're never going to get mugged, even though they're the very person who could actually really defend themselves. But it's because they can defend themselves, they don't get mugged. And it's exactly the same with us when we set a boundary. And it's interesting, we often don't even need to communicate that boundary, like as in specifically say to somebody, please don't do X or don't do X. Or if you do X, I'm going to do, do I'm going to respond in Y way. A lot of the time, just making the decision of this, this is my standard. This is what I will tolerate. This is what I won't tolerate. And that needs to, you know, have you ever been to the seaside where you get those sticks of rock and they have writing in the middle of them? And that's, that's what we have to be like, where those boundaries are just solid within us. They're just a part of who we are. And then it's amazing how that just allows us to give off a different vibe <laughs> and, yeah. and people will respond accordingly. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the only the only thing I'd like to say, it's not something that you just decide today and tomorrow you're that completely different person because it's a it's a long process and it takes a lot of baby steps to to build. But at the end of it, I think it's worth it because, like I said, if you can't control the outside world, you can't control whether it's going to be raining tomorrow, but you can control whether you're going to take umbrella with you or not. You can control whether you're going to go out at all or not. These, these are the elements that impact our day and how we feel about that day. So if you can control everything that you're capable of controlling without the need of even thinking about everything outside of it, then you're still going to feel happy. You're, you know, the result is the same. It's just a different way of achieving it. But you need to, you need to be prepared to take the time to understand it and to actually baby steps go forward 1% every day. Well, and there's also tools that can help people to do this a lot faster as well. It's, it still takes some time, but, you know, it can often be speeded up. I think that's one of the things that when you're able to change that pattern at such a deep level, you know, where literally your brain physiology is being changed with it. Because um, it, is, it is that whole neuroplasticity thing of, you know, our brains do have that plasticity. They have the ability for our neurons to fire in different ways when we use the right kind of uh, tools and techniques around that and I've I've I know certainly 
so as, as part of my coaching, I have specialists who are trained in neuroplasticity technique and, you know, who work with my clients. And that's the work that I've done that's really helped shift things for me. And it's amazing what happens so, so much of the time when, you know, a person has a session and then they don't even realize that they change their behavior until the next session. And they're asked about, say, hey, how did you get on with such and such a topic or situation? And they go, oh, my gosh, I just realized I was in a meeting and so and so did their usual thing of this. And I reacted in this totally different way. And I didn't even notice. (laughs) So that's that's how we can, you know, really, you know, move, accelerate that change. I think that's the thing. Um, so I think what's good for people to realize is that number one, that change is possible. You know, we are not trees. We can move, we can change our situations. Um, we can change the way that we react, the way that we feel. And if we want to, and we want that kind of help, then we can get the support to, to make that change faster and deeper and, and long lasting as well. But I think even if people just go away you know, if you just go away with this idea of, oh, actually, yeah, that's that that makes a big difference. Um, so I know um, you'd looked at some video training that I sent you from when we spoke to today. What was some insight or something that you might like to ask about that? Um, I mean, I I listened to the blogs video probably a couple of times by now, but like we said earlier I think that the people's pleasing is one of the biggest challenges people face especially when you know either starting after something else has happened and when they realize that you know their whole life is turning around pleasing everybody else uh you know another another thing you mentioned in that in that video that stuck with me quite quite strongly was the imposter syndrome and how it impacts us and how it impacts everybody, whether they're, you know, Meryl Streep or whether they're, you know, Julia in the construction industry. Uh, everybody has those those doubts. Everybody at some level and at, at, at a certain period of time, they they all have that. It's just how do we deal with that, right? It's it's almost like how how can we build a little bit of that barrier between the next flow coming in (laughs) if you know what I mean um and yeah it's quite it's quite interesting in terms of you know thinking about it from the point of the blocks and the business blocks right how much ourselves and how we feel about ourselves impacts how is our business doing and yeah, I mean, if you could if you could expand on that board, how how did you come up with this personal development being a key to the to the business success, really? Personal experience is <laughs> 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 definitely a key part of it. <laughs> so when I it was really interesting because when I first set up in business, I set up as a life coach initially, and I I thought. I'm sorted. I've got sales experience. I've got marketing experience. I've done this business degree now. I've got my life coaching training that I've done, which was very in-depth. 
it was not it was not like just a weekend course like I actually did a proper intensive thing where we got lots of feedback and everything yeah it was really great and it was so interesting because I didn't even know a lot of how my own blocks were showing up with it so uh, the other aspect is actually about flow and so you know flow is that feeling when you're just totally on it when you're in the zone when you're so engrossed in what you're doing that you can just lose all track of time and even when you feel challenged you know you're facing some challenges there's just somehow this inner knowing of i can do this right so you know that feeling of flow julia and i'm sure there's when you're doing your your work with your clients there'll be a big part of that when you're probably in flow and so for me you know coaching has always been in flow speaking has always been in flow um, but there were certain aspects of running the business that because I didn't understand about my flow, I would avoid or I would overdo my weaknesses. OK, so when we're in flow, we're working with our natural strengths and personality. And what I didn't know at that point was how to structure my business to have me in flow, not just when I'm delivering, but in actually running the business. And so as a creative extroverted type of person, um, I had no shortage of ideas. Okay. And so one of the typical things that I did was I would have an idea, start working on that idea straight away before I'd even thought it through properly and just boom, get into action. And I would, you know, get so far along the way and it, it wouldn't be working very well, partly because I hadn't thought it through properly. <laughs> and then also partly because I was probably already excited by my next good idea. And so I had this trail behind me of things that I'd started and not finished or I'd done and hadn't really worked. Um, and that was actually one form of self-sabotage. So both the flow and the mindset often kind of really interlink. So I was thinking, even though I didn't really know about flow at that time, I hadn't done that training yet, didn't know about those personality profiles that I use. Um, what I was doing was I was basically overdoing my weaknesses, uh, overdoing my strengths, which then became a weakness. And yeah, it was self-sabotage. So there was money issues going on. You know, my my mum grew up in very challenging circumstances, one of seven children in a very poor time in a very poverty stricken part of Ireland. And, you know, so so I inherited enough. <laughs> I acquired along the way a lot of her beliefs and thoughts around money. And so it, it's it's it took me doing that neuroplasticity technique to shift how I felt about myself so that I valued myself enough that I let go of the the not focusing I let go of the self-sabotage I let go of caring so much what other people thought big one <laughs> the money issues another big one um so and and many many more besides many more besides so, so yeah, it was really working through those that now, like when I, when I kind of go to up level to the next level, 
I, you know, you were saying, like, you know, you said earlier, oh, well, you know, everyone has imposter syndrome. And it's like, I'll have moments of it, but it's literally like moments as opposed to hours, days, weeks. And, and it's literally just a, oh, I just need to adjust to this next level. Um, and I may have one or two sessions, maybe, if stuff's coming up, but I kind of go, oh, okay, there's something happening here. And even if I don't really know what it is, but I know, that, oh, okay, yeah, there's some kind of resistance or there's some kind of pattern showing up here. I don't know what it is, but that's okay. I can have a session. I don't know what, need to know what it is. I don't have to talk about it. Um, I just need to kind of clear whatever it is that's in the way um, and then I can move on. I think one of the interesting things with imposter syndrome is that only people who achieve success experience imposter syndrome. I never really thought of that <laughs> this way to be fair. I mean yeah that's that's an interesting statement but I mean yeah I'm going to have I, to have I really wish I never I never I never really thought of that this way. <laughs> I can see the cogs whirring. <laughs> yeah. Um I mean to be fair it's 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 really quite interesting cuz um I had a conversation with somebody else yesterday. Um her background is she's uh, originally from Malaysia and uh, she's a fantastic phenomenal uh, musician she she sings she's a singer and she was very much hoping for a um, career in the music industry but back when she was starting in the late 90s that was when spice girls were coming out on the market and you know that was when the the whole breakthrough of of the whole market was happening right there was uh, a dark-skinned girl, there was a ginger hair, there was a, a light blonde. This is when the diversity element was coming into the music industry, but there was still no Asian within it. And, and that was one of the reasons when she said, you know, she gave up on making a career here in UK, she left and she made a career in Malaysia. And to be fair, it's quite, it's quite interesting now when, when you said, you know, the imposter syndrome kicks in only to those people who who are very successful I, I'd say it's also those people with an ambition and the desire for the success that's really where you know you always feel well you always you can start feeling like you're not achieving something because you you're you know because you're undervalued or you know it's your it's your you're not good enough to achieve what it is you really want and, and that's the distinction between they're not good enough, they're not fully approving of themselves, the doubts. So, so many people can experience that in all kinds of different situations. But that imposter syndrome tends to be the, I feel like a fraud, and when am I going to get found out? And that only tends to happen because of and it, you know, one or more achievements that people have had. So they they don't, they feel like a fraud, even when faced with the evidence of you achieved this. And so they will often do, oh, well, it wasn't me. It was all these other people. Oh, it was just a fluke. I don't think I could do this again. Just like Meryl Streep said, you know, that every single new film she shoots, she turns up on the first day thinking, when are they going to find out? Like, I don't think I can do this. 
And we look yeah. at Meryl Streep and go, oh my God, she's an amazing actress. She's award-winning, you know, she's, she's fantastic. And that's how other people are looking at us. Yeah. But if we don't, you know, if we don't believe that, then it doesn't land. So it's like, if I was to say to you, Julia, hey, Julia, uh, did you know your skin's green? You'd be like, what? Is it? <laughs> no, but imagine if I said that. Now, if I said it repeatedly over time, I mean, particularly as a child, then you would eventually become to believe that your skin is green. But, you know, if I said that to you a few times, you'd be, I mean, is your skin green, Julia? I think, think so. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> so this is the interesting thing about, you know, we only accept positives when we believe it's true first. Otherwise, even if we don't say, yeah, oh, it was nothing, you know, then in our heads, we're going, well, that isn't true. This is often how... Um, people end up in relationships and it's not just women though it often is more women than than men where they end up in relationship after relationship where, where where they're mistreated and perhaps even abused because if somebody was nice to them they think they're an idiot for being nice to them and it's going to all be going on subconsciously they might they might not be consciously thinking this at all but this is why you often get nice guys going I don't understand why I can't get you know a, a woman <laughs> and um uh, and the women are kind of going oh why do i keep ending up in these awful relationships and it's because they keep rejecting the people who treat them nicely because at some level they don't believe that they deserve it <laughs> yeah i mean you know there's this saying as well in, in poland where where we say you know the bully always loves the most but it's it's a hope rather than you know a, a fact statement uh, and to be fair I usually believe like you said it, it says more about the woman than the guy so it's almost like the insecurities going in her head must be huge right but that's yeah that's exactly. that's another that's a conversation for another day <laughs> another podcast <laughs> yeah absolutely well you know the interesting thing though is that that does show up in business as well so, you know, as business owners, we have the choice over which clients we choose to work with and which team members we choose to work with. And, you know, from our prior discussions, like you're planning on growing your team, you know, you're planning on really opening your doors and bringing people in and mentoring them, you know, which sounds amazing. Um, and, you know, the this is something for you to be really aware of is, um, you know, is, is the kind of past people-pleasing and imposter syndrome in how you interact with your team and in how they treat you and what you tolerate and what, you know, the whole thing around expectations and communication and just delegating as well. You know, delegation, there's a lot of trust things come in that. You know, that was something that you mentioned as well. So, so yeah, definitely things to keep an eye on going forward, because what you don't want to do is end up in a situation where you grow your team, but then you find, oh, I've got these, I've got this person or people who they're just not performing. 
but then nothing, you know, you're not actually doing anything about it or you try things, but it's, you allow things to kind of percolate and go on longer than, um, than you maybe would have otherwise. Um, and also just in terms of actually allowing other people to do things. You know, quite often when there's trust issues, side by side, there's control issues. Because when we don't trust, we want to control. They're not wanting to be let down. You know, that, that can be a very powerful motivator to keep things. <laughs> and, yeah, to, you know, to, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so just some things to keep an eye out for going forward. So, Julia, just tell us a little bit more. I've You've got to go and check out Julia's website. We'll give you that in a moment. She has some beautiful pictures of properties that she's um, managed the refurbishment of these beautiful properties. And um, yes, so it's good, it's good to just go and have a look at, have a drool over those pictures. <laughs> and, uh, and obviously if you're in the market for wanting a project manager in the refurbishment, high-end refurbishment area in London, then Julia is your lady. So I'd love to, ask Julia what's been most significant for you in the conversations that we've had so far boy I think there was loads of these I mean I even made a note of when you said we're not trees we can change the environment we're in <laughs> it's it's a it's a really interesting concept on its own how you know a human being has so many possibilities but we tend to limit ourselves to just being static and just stay in one place and sometimes even complain how the world around us and bad is bad and how everything isn't going to the plan but we actually do absolutely nothing to move away from it uh, so you know that's that, that that's a really really interesting concept for me but another another thing you know as we said about the imposter syndrome only applying to people who have success I think I'm going to have to do a bit more digging into that because, yeah, it's quite, it's it's a big statement for me. I'd, I'd like to be able to challenge that because, to be fair, I, I think there's a lot of people, well, it always comes back to the definition of the success, right? What's success to one person, it's not always a success to another person. But I see a lot of young people, especially, having a massive ambition and wanting and desire to be as successful as and they push that really hard up until to the point when the imposter syndrome does kicks in and they take a step back and sometimes never even go back to it right I mean how how how, how many percent of businesses fails nowadays is it like oh, 60 80 80 percent of the businesses fails uh so yeah that that's like that's that's a big that's a big statement for me and I'm gonna have to do a bit more research on that subject and, and I guess that's getting into the semantics of you know what's the difference between imposter syndrome and doubt and not valuing yourself and not feeling good enough so I mean all of those things are often wrapped up in imposter syndrome I think imposter syndrome tends to happen where people like they've maybe got promoted or they've got, you know, a great big new client uh, in their business or they, their business is up and running and, you know, it's, it's, it's going better than they ever thought, but it's that feeling of, Oh, I've done X, but 
when am I going to get found out? Or people are giving me the responsibility to do why, and I don't feel I can do it. So they clearly believe in me, but I'm not believing that I can do it. So it's kind of getting down, we're probably getting into semantics around that. It's, it is interesting, though, because you have achieved things. So you, you had a successful career before you set up your own business. You, you know, through the pandemic, you know, your business has, has grown, it's up and running. You know, you're now looking at hiring people. Like, I would call that success, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, to be fair, when you, when you put things in that way, then probably it's, it comes back to the underestimating success because success means something completely different to everybody, right? Yeah. It's almost like, you know, having a rainbow and, and having a pot at the end of the rainbow and us trying to reach it but then it's almost like spreading apart even further and there's never that end so you can reach the pot because every single time the success gets a new meaning every time you you get closer you start thinking about another step and another thing before you can name yourself successful so yeah I think I think there's there's quite a lot of yeah there's quite a lot of thinking I'm gonna leave you with a question I'm going to leave you with a question because I know I know we need to wrap up. Um, I I would love you to think about how could you define success differently so it's not a pot at the end of the rainbow, but that it's a sequence of rainbows with smaller pots at the end of each one. So rather than it being something that you're always pushing away, that you can actually embrace and go, hey, I've achieved this goal, I've achieved this success, or I maybe got 80% of this goal, but that's actually a success. You know, because, I mean, there's a whole other conversation about success and failure and how they're actually all part of the same thing <laughs> as well. Yeah. Um, but it's it is this I, I think the, the most beautiful state to be in is one where you accept and love exactly where you are, while also being ambitious for the next place that you want to get to. And to be, you know, so to have that desire and ambition and excitement and also to love yourself and accept yourself and be where you are. And I think if you can do that, you'll always be happy. So where can people get a hold of you, Julia? Um, they could have a look on my social media. I'm quite active on LinkedIn. So ideally, ideally over there. But I'm, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram if somebody prefers that world. Then. Well, you know where to contact Julia. Please do reach out to her if she can be of help to you. And thank you, Julia, for your time here today. It's been a fascinating discussion. Thank you for being open and sharing your journey with us. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, in listening to this, please do let, let me know. What did you think about this? Please share this episode. Please give us a review. Um, give us our, you know, let us know what did, you, what did you like? What have you learned from it? What are you going to take from our conversations here today? And we will be back soon. Bye for now. 
That's all for today, folks. Have you subscribed to get more of this juicy goodness for your business? If not, tap that button now. Remember to check the description for links mentioned in this episode. Did you enjoy and find value in this free broadcast? I want you to know that I go so much deeper into the topics discussed with coaching and workshops based on my impact-driven growth model. Want to know how I can help you to double your profits without spending a penny more on marketing or ads? Let's arrange to hop on a call to discuss your goals and challenges and I'll show you how. Plus, when you book, I'll send you some free training videos too. Go book now at creativeflow.tv forward slash call with Una. That's creativeflow.tv forward slash call with Una.